You are tuned into Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. Real lives, real stories, and real hope through transformational leadership. You have entered the safe zone. The safe space for creatives, executives, business owners, dreamers, and leaders of the new school. Sharing tips, tools, and resources to thrive with authenticity as authorities on a global scale. Transformation is power, and so is your truth. Stay tuned for The Real Deal with Anika and her guests. Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and we have one of our power panels today. And let me tell you something, 2022 is in full swing, and we are ready to do this. We are talking about the glass ceiling. Is it shattered? Is it broken? Or is it just a small, teeny, weeny crack? I want to introduce our guest for the day. We have the amazing, the fantabulous Kathy McKinnon. And also we have Lindsay Trammell Jones. Hey y'all. Hey. hey. Welcome. 2022. I know. Thank God 2021 is gone. Right. <sighs> came in with full force too. Like <laughs> it wasn't playing. It wasn't playing. <laughs> you know what though? 2021 was like that. We thought it was a good force. And then we later found out that it was not. Um, man, I'm so excited for this year though, because everyone that I'm talking to so far is about the business this year. And I am so excited for our guests to learn more about each of you. Um, if you are, um, loyal listeners, you will know Kathy McKinnon, who is on the podcast all the time, but we are excited (laughs) to learn more about Lindsay. So Lindsay, go ahead and tell the world who you are and what you do. Hello, everyone. My name is Lindsay, and I am a active duty soldier and an entrepreneur. So I've been in the Army for almost, it's almost time to go, for a little over 15 years. <laughs> it's almost time to go. But I also own Organized Chaos Design Company, which is a brand identity design agency that helps female entrepreneurs create a brand that's authentic to them because we wear a mask all the time in our nine to five, and we just want we want females to feel comfortable in their own business and that they don't have to wear that mask all the time. Take it off, girl. Be authentic. So, And I'm excited to be here with you guys. I love that because as a military soldier, you kind of wear like eight masks. Um, I know I couldn't do it because of all the restrictions. There were so many things that I was like, I just can't do it. But I'm so glad that there are voices out there talking about the restrictions and limitations that are placed on especially women in the military amongst other careers. So thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to learning more about your perspective. Um, And then there is Kathy. Kathy, tell the world who you are and what you do. Yes, uh, Kathy McKinnon. I'm a transformation coach out of Chicagoland. And my business has transformed. It started as a health coaching business, transformations, and now it has evolved. Uh, The new brand and name and logo will all be launching in the next two weeks. So that's very exciting, but it is gone bigger than physical wellness. This is, you know, working on your legacy. This is leading yourself. This is leading your community and leading your organization. So we have just dialed it up an entire notch for 2022. Congratulations. I am so excited because I have watched this transformation unfold over the last three years, and I am so happy to see where it goes. Um, Kathy and I have been trying to get together for years, and it has not happened, but this is the year. I am just manifesting that everything that we have been building and have been waiting on, it's going to happen, and that's why I had to come back to make it happen. So I am so excited. Um, Today, we are going to talk about the glass ceiling because we are all women. We have all worked in corporate. We have all worked in capacities where there were limitations, barriers, or mountains, whatever you want to call them. Um, We have faced those, and we're here to tell you that we have overcome them because now we are all business owners, which the good thing about that is we do have some range on what we do, who we serve, where we show up, and how we do it. So I am interested to get into this conversation. First, starting out, 
what is the glass ceiling? According to Wikipedia, it is the colloquial term for the social barrier preventing women from being promoted to top jobs in management. Nowadays, it includes discrimination against minorities, which is the broadened term, but I, obviously it's barriers placed on women. And I wanna start with Lindsay. Lindsay, what is your, your definition, your perception of the glass ceiling itself? So my def far as the glass ceiling, I feel like for this, I also, I feel like it hasn't been shattered. I do feel like, I think it's been, it's been cracked. It's cracked a little bit. People are seeping through, but it has not been shattered. It is putting limitations on how women are viewed, not only about what we're able to do, but because we put, well, society has put this glass ceiling on top of us. We are, they, they automatically view us as females only able to do certain things. And those views, if you're told all the time, like, hey, you can't do this, you can't do this, then you're going to, you're going to start believing it. Even though there's no reason for you to believe that you can't do it other than some, some jerk, some guy told you that you can't do it. Sorry, you, you'll get my real, my, my army. <laughs> some guy told you that you couldn't do it. But yeah, I just feel like the glass ceiling is definitely still there. We still got work to do, but we're making progress. What about you, Kathy? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, to, to Lindsay's point, there's definite progress. I don't think it's the same glass ceiling that it used to be years ago, decades ago, right? We're starting to do, as opposed to waiting for those cracks or that hole in the glass ceiling to make their move, they are making their moves and they are taking charge of their lives with intentional action, as opposed to saying, I'm going to just kind of wait and sit back and wait for that crack or that hole in the glass ceiling and then pounce. They're saying, forget this. I'm going to find a way I'm adaptable. I'm resilient. I'm going to do my own thing to, to get what I want, as opposed to waiting. Let me ask each of you a question. Did you know that there was a such thing as a glass ceiling? Did you know that there was a name for this? Or when did you discover that this was actually a theory? I think it was, it was probably when I was in college, because when we were in college and talking about, oh, what are you going to do after college and careers? And that's when we started to really like hear about all these different gaps in between how far women were going straight out of school versus how far men were, were going and then the wage gap and all these differences that it was like, well, if we both have the same degree, I don't understand. Or we both have the same experience, which at that point coming out of college is usually zero. Um, it, it, it didn't make any logical sense, right? And that's when I really started to see it and hear it because it was like, well, if college is supposedly this launching pad for where you're going to go next in the traditional path, how come everybody's launching in different ways once they come out of here and, and, and going in different places, yet we're all supposed to be coming from the same spot in theory, right? And, and that's when I really started to hear about it and know about it. And then once I went into corporate America, it was, it was in my face, right? I mean, it was down to, to straight comments from men. It was down to straight, oh, that person's going to get the promotion. This, and it was like, well, why? It doesn't make any logical sense. And that was, it didn't have to make logical sense. And that was the most discouraging thing as it was opinions or, or views as opposed to the straight logical, hey, this person has the experience, they have the skills, they have the degree, they can do what we need them to do. Instead, it was very different. Yep, and you said it doesn't have to make sense. And we have had to accept that to a degree. Uh, it doesn't have to make sense. For the most of, most of us, we don't accept it, which is why we have created our own path. But I wanna go to Lindsay before we get into that any further is, is, is when did you discover, <laughs> I can imagine your answer. When did you discover that glass ceiling was actually a theory? It was a, a societal theme. There was a law. There's all these things built around this theory of the glass ceiling. When did you learn about that? I'll say I, growing up, I heard, I grew up, my mom from the South, I'm from North Carolina. 
And growing up, she would always talk about having to work harder, even twice as hard. You're going to have to be twice as good. You're going to have. So I knew it was something in place, not necessarily that it was the glass ceiling, but I knew it was something in place. It didn't, it didn't really hit me or didn't become blatant or in, in my face until I was in the military. And because I joined the military after graduating from college. So I never went into corporate America. Um, but when I was in the military and I was getting to the point when you're lower enlisted, you don't really realize it. You just kind of, they told me to do this, I'm going to do it and that's it. But once I started getting higher in rank and you have to start getting um, more counseling, more leadership from higher ranking people, I was sitting down with a guy and he was looking over my information and he was like, hey, your packet looks good, but I'm going to tell you when women... When you guys get up and rank, you guys, you know, you have babies. Mind you, I, I have a not my phone. You have babies, you gain weight, and you are less competitive. So you might make the rank, but you're not going to be making decisions. You're going to be admin. These are y'all are admin. And that was his take. And this was a couple years ago. So this was in the past five years. So it let me know that there were, there's people that, even though there's cracks in this glass ceiling, there's people that's like holding it down. Like, yeah get back in there but um that's when I it hit me that all this stuff that I've been taught like twice as hard twice as good don't even though the guys can go out and party you need to not be in that be there enough to show face to show that you're interested but leave and it all came came like to the forefront like this is why women have been telling each other this because they are aware that there's there's people that think like this you just made smoke come out my ears. And, you know, it's funny because I just finished my master's. I'm a year into my PhD and I did not know about the glass ceiling until I came across a paper. I'm literally writing my dissertation on the reason women have escaped corporate to build their own enterprises. And I found an article about it. And I didn't know that there was actually a theory. I didn't know it was a thing. And in 1991, the US Department of Labor launched the glass ceiling commission to address the glass ceiling, but we were saying to ourselves, what's been addressed? Yes, we have statistics now. We have statistics that show that women have 60% more, you know, 60% of women have master's degrees for obviously 40% of men have master's degrees. When we look at, you know, we're walking into a room competitive as you were with your promotion packet, you're sitting there and unfortunately we have to put our, our race, our age, our, our gender on a piece of, you know, whatever. And, and I've gotten to the point now where I always do the, um, you know, the disability thing too, because I always do it because I know what's supposed to happen when you identify yourself. But I also do it for statistical purposes because I am a scientist. But we, we, we know that that could be the difference between us getting the job or not getting the job. So then it becomes a thing of, do we want to get the job or do we want to remain um, our integrity? You know, it's like, I know why I do what I do, but this means the difference between me feeding my children and not feeding my children. These are decisions that men don't have to make. For instance, I just got on a plane and left an island because I don't have orders. But at the end of the day, my children weren't being cared for. My children didn't have access to resources. And I, I got angry because every day my husband's going to get up and he's going to go to work and the military is going to make sure he gets paid and he has nothing to worry about. But then me, I am a dependent. I, I cried because I was like, I, I, my mother raised me to be independent all for the military to try to mold me and, and tell me that no matter what, I am a dependent. So are we really talking about glass here? Or what do we even call this thing that basically tells us as women that we have no rights? I don't know. And it's crazy as you say men don't have to think about that because I have two girls. So when choosing their names, I was like, one, I got to give you a name that they don't know if you're a boy or a girl. So their name, I have the oldest is Kennedy, but she goes by Kenny. And the youngest is Carter. So people don't know, then they both still are decay. But they don't know. I was like, so you got to have a name. Nobody knows if you're a boy or a girl. And you got to have this. So 
as a because of my, her, their dad wasn't thinking about that. Me, I'm like, well, they got to have a name, they don't, and they got to have a name where they don't know if they're black or white or whatever. I knew that was that was that so was next. Yeah, all these all these things come to your mind when you're like, well, I gotta prepare you for what you're gonna the face world. in the future. Yep. And that glass ceiling is was one of those things. I I need you to at least get in the door. At least I can get you a name that gets you in the door. Exactly. And the rest is on you. And and that's that's a shame that we're thinking of this. I I had two girls and I wanted a boy, but I didn't want a black son. And I, there's only certain places where I'll even say that because somebody will be like, oh, well, no, I didn't want a black son because if his father doesn't stick around to teach him what it's like to be a black man, then that's on me, which I can I I can I can groom him as much as I possibly can, but I cannot prepare him. But my daughters, I can absolutely say to you, this is what it's like to be a woman. And right now my daughter is protesting. <laughs> She's like, I don't want ovaries. I don't want to be a girl. I don't want COVID. I'm tired. And I told her, I said, your battle as a woman is just beginning. You're 16. It's going to get worse. It's just the things that we go through and we are expected to be resilient. We're expected to be graceful. We're expected to be um, domesticated. We're just expected to be, you know, empathic. We're expected to be fierce only when we're allowed to be fierce. You know, it's like, don't be a force all the time. Only be a force when we need you to be a force. And God forbid, don't be too smart. It's, it's a lot to juggle and manage and figure out that balance, especially as a teenager. Being a teenager when I was a teenager was hard enough. It, the complexities of today's world are like a whole nother level. And so, I mean, I, I'm raising a preteen son, which it is a lot in itself, but I can't imagine the, the female and the emotions and, and all of that that goes with it. But multiply it too. Oh, yeah. The, the hormones, the emotions, the comparison syndrome, the social media, the, the everything, right? I mean, there, there are body image issues when I was in high school, but it's just escalated through the roof with social media, right? And the mm-hmm. ability and, and cell phone cameras and things that are supposed to be private and are no longer private because it's shot around the world and it click, right? And But how do you manage and balance all these things that we're supposed to be? We're, as women, we're supposed to be multifaceted. And people sometimes forget that, right? Like you're not supposed to be one box or the other. You're supposed to do the things, but at different times in different ways. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to navigate, especially as a, as a teenager, because you're just trying to figure out where and how you fit and who you even are. In the meantime, the world is expecting you to already know that you're multifaceted and show up in those ways when you don't even know who you are, right? For some for us, even when we do figure out who we are, we're afraid to show the world who we are because we're, we, we fear for, you know, backlash or opinions or comparison or all of that. So how do we expect that from our young girls growing up when some grown women are still struggling with that fine line of balance of how do I show that I'm multifaceted and understanding that, there's nothing wrong with being multifaceted. We're supposed to be multifaceted, but we can't be at all, all the time. And that's the thing is learning when to pull the different levers. And it's, it's an art. There is no magic, you know, flow chart of pull this lever at this time and act like this at this time. Like there is no prescription path. And so you have to learn to sort of play those different parts on your own terms that work for you and who you are in your household and, and what that represents. But we are not taught that growing up by any means. It's like a trial and error by fire, quite frankly. I love that because I was going to ask you each to give us tips and tools on how to break the glass ceiling. Uh, basically as um, insight for our young women and even our middle-aged women, because you said learning how to play the parts on your own terms. I hit four, like this is my 40th year. You know what I'm saying? And I say year because I'm born directly in the middle of the year. So I have two new years, 
my birthday is June 1st. So January 1st, I get a restart. <laughs> June 1st, I get a restart. But in my you restart years, as many times as you want. That's the secret. See, I, see? The secret right there. I've got the refresh button set up and it just spirals like this. But I mean, at 40, I finally decided like, why am I waiting on permission from anybody to do anything? So I say that because we think that we're going to have it figured out. Like, first of all, we were like, oh, by the time I'm 21, I'm going to know what I really want to do. I'm going to know what I want to go to school for. I'm going to know what career field. And that's going to change 16 times. So just be prepared. And then you hit, I know I had a, a midlife, midlife crisis at 35. And then I had another midlife, midlife crisis at 40. And so that's where I'm at right now. But I say that because I want you to, to give advice to women who are facing either transition challenges. And, and I always say, Kathy is a cancer survivor and I just went through, they just found a lump. And so I'm going through this and there are two people that are in my circle that I knew that I could call instantly because that feeling was just like, and of course my husband picked me up and he didn't get it. He didn't get, it. I just cried. He didn't get it. He doesn't get it. It's just like, oh my gosh. And they're like, you need to come back in six months. And I'm like, you're not going to do anything more than that. Like you can, I, I know that there's things you can do right now, but you're telling me just wait, you know? And so in six months time, I'm like, I won't even know where I'm going to live in six months. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know where my kids are going to be. I don't know if it's growing. I don't know if it's not growing. But in a whole different health district, it's probably going to tell me by that time, you need to start the process all over again because we don't have records. You know what I mean? But on top of this, I'm supposed to get on a call in a minute and act like everything is fine. And if the school calls, show up and be just fine and do my homework and, you know what I'm saying, get this contract going. And, and, and I was just like, he doesn't get it. He, and that, that's the hardest part, right? Women are, by nature, we are emotional creatures. That's just a fact of the matter, right? We express ourselves, we feel in a whole different way than men do. They process, they're very logical. Um, so when we have our emotions and we're trying to communicate emotionally, because that's what we do, it's very hard for them to relate or understand, especially when it's something as personal as what you're going through, Anika, because as women, we want this understanding that we have control over our bodies. And when for some reason, whatever it might be, you feel like you're losing control or you're out of control of your own body, that is the hardest thing to wrap your head around. And then to be told, well, it's just a waiting game. So just, mm -hmm. you know, be patient and um, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I was actually just writing, writing, finalizing an article and they asked me one of the top five things of, of being a cancer survivor that was the most frustrating and I'm like without a doubt it's the waiting and the unknown yep if you told me this yep. is what's happening but this is how we're going to fix it boom I can be very logical and I can work through that but when you're like I don't know maybe but just hang out and wait and then maybe I don't know what will happen that for a woman with all the emotions and thoughts that go through our head and all of the different things that we need to take care of in a day, again, being multifaceted mothers, entrepreneurs, et cetera. Do what? Yeah. It, nah, mm -mm, doesn't work that way. And then just like you said, be calm and continue on. And yeah. What's the problem, Anika? They called me on Monday and was like, we need to schedule your six months. I said, I won't be here. <laughs> you, you're not scheduling nothing because I'm going where I know that they will actually do something other than tell me to just sit here and wait because yeah. as many scans as I've had I'm like I know good dog on well there's something here you know but but even so I mean I've had two surgeries in two years two major surgeries in two years and I've been expected to just get up and just oh the doctor says you're going to be fine in six weeks yeah well guess what <laughs> there's so much that we go through in our head and we're like we're we put the pressure on ourselves to be okay because statistically society society husbands whoever says that we're supposed to be okay you have this time frame to go through this life-changing incident and then come back to the table and be competitive Lindsay be competitive and don't lose your body like you're not allowed to have hormonal changes any changes in weight ounces pounds no we're not doing that Lindsay 
We're not doing it. We can't have that because that's not okay. You know, and then no, we don't have any pressure, no pressure on us to show up as who we're supposed to be and be taken seriously. Yes. And that's the biggest piece right there, right? It's to not only be who we authentically are, which is not a robot, which is not a textbook definition, at the same time, show up like it's all good. That part. So yeah, just be a robot and and, um, just carry on and, you know, do the check boxes on your to-do list. Like the world has just stopped evolving on its axis. That would be amazing. But that that's not reality. And I think that's where a lot of women, especially women, like you said, whether it's coming out of college, whether it's going through a transition, whatever it might be, that's where a lot of women stumble, right? Because if I'm a robot and I'm following textbook definition and I'm following that path that everybody says I'm supposed to follow, then everything is good. But the minute I take a left or a right turn, it seems like nobody gets me. I'm all alone. Nobody understands what I'm trying to do because it's no longer textbook. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of women get frustrated and they get depressed and they get they feel like they're alone because it feels like nobody is hearing you and nobody's understanding you because you took a left turn as opposed to a right turn. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't in the book. That's not in the book. The book, not a book. This, these 10 steps and then ta-da. Do, don't deviate you're only allowed to do this yeah Lindsay I'm asking you what's your perspective of all of this you know because I went on my rant my tangent <laughs> but you know you have a company named organized chaos and I I consider myself somebody who lives in organized chaos because I know what my chaos means but part of it is because when you do live by this textbook by this logic by this guidebook which the only reference I have right now is the military Mm-hmm. is is that people sometimes aren't able to to adjust and adapt when those lines got some grays in between and some some lefts and some rights as Kathy said you know what is your advice to people in creating their own path within the guidelines because that is a thing I'm one of those line riders I will I won't go yeah. over the line but I'll ride that bad boy you won't be able to get me because I'm gonna follow the rules you're just not gonna like how I do it no well I would say (laughs) I'm I've I've always been considered not the traditional leader because I don't get up in their face I'm not screaming I don't have that kind of energy that's just there's no need for it that's not that's not effective that's not me um but I had someone tell me when I was younger in the ranks and a female, she was in the Navy. And she said, just be who you, if that's who you are with your kids and you can get them to do what you want them to do, then that's how you need to be with these soldiers. So I'm the same person. I'm not gonna, I'll talk, I'll mom talk them because that's just yeah. what I'm used to doing. I'll mom talk you. And you'll feel like, and I've had them say like, you feel like, I feel like I'm talking to my aunt and I don't want to disappoint my auntie, but at the same time, I know she's going to give me my, give me the business. That's right. And she, then they'll respect her. Yes. So I would say if you're in, just find where you can fall in between those guidelines that's comfortable for you. You don't, at the, in the beginning, I did try, I tried to be that in your face. Let me yell at you. And I was like, this is too much energy. And I feel like, stupid. This is energy that I don't have and I feel real stupid. I can't do this. But once I found my my groove, like I'm in a groove, I know talking to, if I talk to you guys, like I talk to my nieces and nephews because they're in their 20s. If I talk to you guys, like I approach them and I talk to you guys and I coach you and get you to where you need to be in your career and not just in your career, because a lot of the things that a lot of the guys that I've, that was under me, they've gotten out, but they still reach out. They'll still be like, Hey, sorry, blah, 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 blah. They don't go anywhere. They're like, I got like 50 kids out in the world, if you think about it. They're all just, they will, because my number never changes. But um, you'll, you'll have a greater impact being yourself and being that listening ear or being whatever your personality is in that environment than trying to be someone else. Because they're, they're going to see through it. Like they'll see through it like this, this is a whole, this whole facade. Get, this is stupid. But um, I would say, and give yourself grace. Give yourself grace to to not have everything perfect. That you're not gonna know everything, 
I've been in this, I've been doing this for over uh, for over 15 years, but I don't know everything. I learned stuff from people that's been in one year and I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's And let them know that you, I didn't know that. Like, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. We're At the end of the day, we're all people. So just grace and be yourself. Give yourself the grace to be yourself. I love that. Like you said, like, again, if we all march in and we're, you know, drill sergeants, not only can others pick up on the fact that that is not who we truly are, it's uncomfortable for us. And it's really like stressing us out and making us actually worse as leaders because we are trying to fit ourselves into a box that is not us. And those that we are trying to lead good chance is they don't learn that way, right? If you think about kids in school, there are some kids that are visual learners. There are some kids that are audio learners. Hi, we don't stop that when we get out of school. Everybody learns and and follows leaders in different ways. That's why different people resonate with different leaders, right? Because it's different aspects of them that they can resonate with. And so to think that, you know, all leaders should be one way, well, all people are not one way, right? And so how are you trying to lead? Who are you trying to lead? Are you actually listening to your people? That's the biggest thing, right? Do you know which one of your, um, whether it's employees or, or folks that you're coaching, do you know how they learn? Do you know the best way that they learn? Have you asked those questions? Do you know how they are? Do you know what they're dealing with, what they're managing. Again, the the unorganized chaos, I always joke, it was especially during COVID here when my son was remote learning. It was like, you know, the Wizard of Oz, like what's behind the curtain? Because it was like, the dog is running around behind me on Zoom. The kid's over here doing his (laughs) e-learning. Like I wasn't exempt from any of that. Absolutely not. Um, But we managed the chaos. Right. And people probably thought it was crazy. Again, to Anika's point, it probably wouldn't have worked for other people. And that's cool. Right. Most people would not have been able to sit with their child right next to them with dueling Zooms all day long. But we do what works for us. Right. In that situation in our household. And you know what? People probably looked at me and were like, that is a circus you are running over there. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? It's my circus. And you know what? It's working for my son. It's working for me. And in between the circus chaos, we got to have moments where we got to laugh about how crazy and chaotic it was. And we got to learn different life skills about being adaptable, right? Because it's not always going to be a perfect world where this kid is in a classroom and doesn't have to focus on anything else but the piece of paper on his desk. That's not realistic in the world. And so as challenging as it was, it was also an opportunity to teach that we find ways to get things done. I like that. It also, I would say not only the kids learn, but we say that businesses and corporations learn that you don't have to be in the office 24 seven to get things done. Like you don't have to be in the office. When COVID kicked off in 2020, um, I got pregnant my daughter in August of 2020. So that's another layer of craziness that I was dealing with as far as being pregnant during a pandemic. I have these 25 people, 25 people that are all under 25 that are looking to me for direction. Yeah, it's just like, and then I got this tween at home. So it, that's doing this online virtual schooling. So if anybody has a tween, pregnancy and tween don't mix. I'll tell you that right now. Cause we both had emotional problems going on and it was not the best situation <laughs> for me and her, <laughs> but it taught, but it did, it taught resilience. It taught that you don't have to be in that traditional space to get things done, that you can learn new ways to reach people, whether it's this virtual thing that we do all the time now, that's, that was, ta- that was taboo later. It's like, let me come see you. Now it's like, let me just do a virtual meeting. Like it's nothing now. So it has, it has had its benefits as bad as COVID is. It did come with some benefits and some very needed life lessons. Well, and I think those that are, I I see different layers of different people emerging through this whole crazy pandemic. And this pandemic is a whole other topic. 
But you see the people who are continuing to evolve and move forward, even if it's baby steps. And then you see those people who are frozen in fear again, because they're used to the, the cubicle walls and the nine to five and meetings are supposed to be in person, right? And, and, and the change instills so much fear in them that they literally become, you know, deer in the headlights frozen in their tracks. And then you see those that have been adaptable the whole time. It's just maybe you didn't notice it because they were in the cubicle nine to five setting. And so they just went with the status quo. But now that you've broken them out of that, again, they're just picking up the phone. They're doing Zoom meetings. Like life is continuing in a different shape and a different form, of course, but they're still getting their work done. They're still making business moves. They're still leading their children. They're still doing things. And now maybe the things are different, right? But you see people who are still moving, even if it's at a slower pace. And then you see the people who are still trying to grapple with and figure out the change. And the people who are able to adapt in whatever way or measure that might be, are the ones who are truly gonna come out of this at a different level and separate themselves. And I have to say, I, I like to think I'm one of those adaptable people because for me, I felt blessed that I was running an online business. There were so many people that didn't, I know in Hawaii, you couldn't order food online. People, the, the, everything small mom and pop shop, they weren't really into like online evolution or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it was one of those things where they didn't know what to do. I mean, a lot of businesses went under. And for me, I'm like, well, I was online because I married somebody that has to go around the world. So I just never got back into the community just due to online things. So I was 10 steps ahead. And for me, I was like, well, now this is a thing when I didn't know it was a thing. I've always kind of been ahead of my time anyway. So it was just like, this is what everybody's doing. And I already know how to do it. But the thing too with homeschool is that my kids were on ingenuity that I pulled them out to homeschool them because I realized the teachers didn't know how to do virtual school. Well, if they were already in a virtual school and we didn't have to deal with the teacher and the teacher didn't have to stress me out and the teacher didn't have to stress my kid out. I just took all of that. I took those barriers out and then it was just my kid on an app. We were at home happy because we didn't have any commuting. We didn't have any tests. We didn't have any of those things because I think one thing that growing up with my mom telling me that I always had to work twice as hard is I learned how to be proactive about problem solving. And I think when we're telling women how to shatter the glass, the best thing you have to do is first put yourself first and be able to do what's best for you. Who cares what society says you're supposed to do? Who cares what somebody who, you know, relationships, no matter where you're at in your life, somebody's going to have an opinion. Who cares? what anybody else is trying to influence you to do, you have to first be true to yourself and do what's best for you and yours. And I wanna ask the, you two, if you have any other tips, now I want to provide the tips of how can women shatter the glass? I did hear you say grace, I heard authenticity. What else we got? I think what is big, and I, I think a lot of women, especially women don't do this, is stepping back and defining what does success mean to you? Bam. Because if you don't know the definition of success for you, not what yeah. anybody else or a textbook says or anybody on social media, what does success look like for you? Like, what is that vision for your life that you would say, I would feel successful, whatever, fill in the blanks. If you don't know what that is, you're going to have a very hard time trying to find that path. And you're going to continuously hit roadblocks and get very frustrated because you're still trying to define the destination. You can't get on the right flight or on the right train, plane, automobile, if you're not sure where the destination is. And I think a lot of people also get caught up in the destination changes as we evolve, right? What I initially thought was my destination was not the end destination because I got there and then I was like, ooh, I want more. Ooh, I want something else. I'm gonna keep going, but you need a stopping point, a, a first stop. Like, what is that first stop? Because if you don't know what the first stop is, you're gonna have a hard time getting there. Um, and again, there's no textbook definition of success. It's 
personal, it's authentic, but you have to figure out what that looks like for you first. What about you, Lindsay? And yes, celebrate the milestones, the baby steps, because we don't know where we're going until we get a little bit further and we're like, oh, this could take me there. I wasn't even thinking about that. All right, so I need to pivot right here and I need to go here, but celebrate that milestone because that's growth. And that's something that we don't prepare for. And you can't prepare for it. You just have to be open to it. But you don't start growing until you start taking action. So mm -hmm. what you got, Lindsay? I agree with what both of you guys said. Um, I think a lot of times when we are trying to chart our path to success, we don't incorporate or we don't think about pivots as being successful. We think, well, I'm going to, let's say, I'm going to go to college for four years. And then we end up going, we don't finish college, but we go get a trade. That's still successful. You got to, some trades make more than some four-year degrees. <laughs> so, um, but I think as we learn to shatter that glass ceiling to incorporate pivots, pivots are success. Pivots are helping you figure out where you need to be anyway. And that's how I look at pivots. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that your idea wasn't good. It just means that, you're that's not the path for you we, we so I think when we're like when we're shattering these glass ceilings think about pivoting pivoting might you might be on the wrong path so that you might just it's that continual evolution right and it, it's again not only pivoting and pivots again like you said aren't failures they're lessons learned hey maybe I tried this I figured out that I don't really like it as much as I thought I would like it but while I was there, I learned X, Y, and Z. And now I can take that onto the next step. But as you change as a person and as you learn and grow as a person, your path will naturally change. And it should because you're not the same person you were 10, 15 years ago. And what I found really exciting in the business world 10 or 15 years ago most of it doesn't even exist anymore or exists in a completely different capacity. And so, you know, being open to evolve and change and shift your definition of success for you as you grow is huge. And, and a pivot doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change everything. Just tweak it. Um, YouTube led me to say something else. Ask for help. We often do not ask or accept help. And in doing so, just like you have to define success, you need to define help. I've had several people this week ask me, what can they do to help me? And I didn't have an answer. I knew in my mind what help was, but help was totally associated with my end game. It wasn't associated with what I can do right now, what I have control over right now. We have to, you know, and, and for many of us, we are leaders. We are the ones who are normally the helpers but we are the main ones that need help because we have to be restored in order to restore others. And so learn to ask for help. It is not a weakness, it is actually a strength. And I think that's something we have to do. But I do want to talk about something that we never, we have not talked about that is associated with glass ceilings and that's compensation. What is our take on compensation? Because when we're talking about glass ceilings, it is expected that women are not compensated equally across any board, whether it be corporate, private, business, you know, um, I mean, we all run businesses and we know when it comes to proposals and stuff, people are like, oh, what, 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 what do you mean? You know, compensation is something that has been taboo um, and still is taboo. I mean, for me in my business, it was taboo because I started off with $20 services and then <laughs> wondering why nothing was working. <laughs> I can laugh now, but it's painful. But I'm being dead serious, though, because when we're thinking about service and the things that we want to give, the changes that we want to make in our lives and, and in the lives of others, compensation is something that has held women back for a very long time. You know, from the 1940s, women have fought to be able to work. And now we're in a day and age where it's extremely competitive. We're not just competing with our neighbor. We're not just competing with somebody else that's doing what we're doing. We're competing against the world because of the Internet and the global workforce. So what is your take on or what is your advice for women when it comes to compensation, staying, you know, having integrity, being authentic and doing what they really want to do 
in their lives and in the lives of others to be compensated, you know, how to stand up for themselves in this game. Yeah, I think it comes down to knowing your worth, whether it's as an entrepreneur, whether it's as an employee, right? What do you bring to the table and what is the value of that? And you could say, well, that's very subjective, right? It depends on who you're working for and what you're doing, but not undercutting yourself because you have skills and knowledge that are unique to you. And especially as an entrepreneur, again, in the beginning as entrepreneurs, we tend to lowball our services and our prices because we want the business, we want the customers, we want everybody to like us, love us, come buy our product. But what we end up doing then is attracting the wrong customers or attracting just business for business that doesn't actually evolve into the impact that we want. And so you truly have to look at it from both perspectives, right? What is your worth? What do you bring to the table? as well as what is the impact you want? Because I could get on social media right now and sell a $20 course to who knows how many people, but that's not what I do, right? That's not the impact I make. My, my clients are very specific niche of people who are stepping up at a different level, right? This is not necessarily a, a everybody goes to Target and buys the, the $20 t-shirt, right? That's what Target does. That's not what I do. And so it's very hard as entrepreneurs because you want that, you want business. Customers are good as a business owner, but making sure that you're servicing the right clients who understand the value of your services. And that is huge as an entrepreneur. I would say for as compensation for women and breaking that glass ceiling, we have to get comfortable with money. Like a lot of times we have, because we are thinking of everyone else first, like I don't want, we're in other people's pockets. <laughs> we're in the client's pockets or the uh, customer's pockets. Well, I don't want them not to be able to afford it. So we don't charge as much as we necessarily should be charging. And we also have to be able, we have to, traditionally women, the men would go out and make money and women would take care of the household. So traditionally we were, we were paying the bills with the paycheck that, that the husband brought home. So we are, we, we know how to handle money. We just don't think about that. Women have been handling business for years, it, household, but it's still handling the finances for years. And we just have to get comfortable with that. We know with the fact that we know what we're doing, that just because we may see this person, this person is in the status quo of what success is. And if traditionally is a white man, older white male, that's, that's, successful and that should be making the CEO money tradition that's what we see all the time we have to realize that that's not necessarily what what's right and changing that mindset of what success is like we talked about earlier and getting comfortable with making more money even though men brag about money men brag about money all the time like they'll go buy the, the Camaro or whatever. I don't even know cars. So Camaro probably wasn't even a good example, but um, they'll go buy the biggest car and be flashy and do this, that, and the third. But women feel like, well, I don't want people to think, um, they, I want them to think I'm a bitch or I don't want them to think this, that, and the third about me when we spend money on ourselves. When is okay. I think, I think not just that, but it's also as women, we're natural caretakers. And so it's very easy, again, when we get money, we, we take care of other people, we take care of our household, we take care of our family, we take care of our community um, because we're putting everybody else before ourselves, which happens way too often, right? It, we're just natural caretakers. We wanna make sure everybody's fed, everybody's happy, everybody's you know got the roof above their head. It's just, it brings women a lot of joy to caretake and make sure everybody's taken care of, right? We love to feed people. It's what we do. But to your point, getting comfortable with being successful, whatever that measure is, and then being comfortable with, I can spend money on myself. I can invest in X, Y, Z because I am worth that investment. I've earned that investment. I've put the time and hours in to get that return. It's okay. It's okay that, to do that. That is not selfish. 
Yes. Because men will invest in something. I have seen men invest in $50,000 programs. You know, they will, they will fund their dream. Us, on the other hand, will be like, well, is there a discount? I need this coaching program. I need this certification. But I got to wait till my kids go to college. I got to wait until, you know, he finishes his career. I got to wait until my mom is well and I, you know, put her where she needs to be and my dad. And we're doing, we're waiting. We were always waiting on the opportune time. Or I remember, I used to not even get my nails done because I thought it was taking, you know, food out of my kid's mouth if I went just for a minute to just get that. I was like, well, that $20 could have been a toy or it could have been something, you know, a car for him or what, like now I'm in this phase where I just want to teach women that and give, allow themselves to give themselves permission to invest in themselves. Cause I promise you, the sooner that you invest in yourself, the sooner you will get a return. Like whatever you're putting in, if it is Starbucks, if it is $5 every morning and that's what you need to get your mind right in the morning, then you do what you got to do. So I think that's the biggest thing is giving yourself permission to know that it's okay, that you are worth it and that you can invest in yourself. I want each of you to tell the, the, um, the audience how to find you, where to find you. Lynn, well, Lindsay, go ahead. And then Kathy. So you can find me at Organized Chaos Design. Sorry. Organized Chaos Design Company.com is my email. It's my um, <laughs> website. <laughs> And my Instagram and Facebook is organizedchaos.designco. So or if you type in my name, you'll, it'll all pull up. It's only one of me that I know of. <laughs> I am on Instagram as the Kathy McKinnon. Somebody stole, somebody stole my handle originally. So we are the Kathy McKinnon. All right. And I want to thank each of you for being here because the class ceiling definitely is not shattered. And we all know that. So thank you for, for being here. Thank you for what each of you do. I will have their information and descriptions in the podcast description. And you guys can find that on any podcast hosting. Any last words for our listeners today, ladies? No, this is fun. Go out there and, and be successful. Like love your life, love what you do because you only get one life. Yellow. All right. <laughs> Thank y'all for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika, the Power Panel. Happy 2022. And you know what I'm going to say? Stay powerful. <laughs>